You are listening to the Alouette's Flight Deck, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. All right, folks, we've been clear for takeoff. Welcome to the Alouette's Flight Deck, podcast dedicated to Montreal Alouette's football, presented by Sport Buff. I'm your host, Tim Capper. Along with my co-host, Cliffy D. Hey, Cliff, how are you, my friend? Hey, now. Um, yeah, so the game. <laughs> not fun. Not fun to lose like that. I mean, it's not fun to lose anyways, but uh, to have seen what we saw... And it feels like I've we've been down this road before. Yeah. Like, uh, say, week two, or I guess week three, technically, in Calgary. Cool. I kind of feel like I was see- watching the exact same match, to tell you the truth. We also seem, be, seem to be going through a season of streaks. 2019, it was win, win one, lose one throughout most, I think it was, was the entire season, almost. Felt, it sure felt like it. And this year, what has it been? Win one, lost two. I mean... Mm-hmm. Could go, you know, could go one way or the other. I mean, it could be like Ottawa and breaking their was their their eleven game losing streak at home or something like that or whatever it was. That's right. That goes all, all the way back to twenty nineteen. Yep. Maybe that's it. Maybe maybe the Yellowwoods need to start playing on Tuesday nights. Maybe that's what's maybe that's the ticket. Oh dear God, no. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no. Funny you say that. Now you're going to make me look it up. Damn it! When's the last Tuesday home game for the Alouettes? Um, but it, it's funny we talk about. I, I you know, we talked about last week about Jekyll and Hyde, Vernon Adams. I, I think both showed up. It wasn't necessarily one or the other this past week in the loss to Toronto. Um, you know, oh, no. again, yeah, I think I think it's just frustrating. That we get over 500 yards of offense. William Stanbeck gets, you know, gets one of the uh, players of the week awards. Again, another monster game and defensive penalties seem to defense penalties and another fourth quarter interception seem to seem to actually want that one in this first half too, right before halftime. Don't even get me on that one. Yeah. Like I said, it's just like it was like the Alouettes. Started the game despite you know they were down okay the, the Toronto scored on the on the first series but then Montreal took a lead looked like they were in control. Uh, Vernon Adams throws a pick and everything just falls apart. Mm-hmm. And then you're stuck playing catch up for the rest of the game. Uh, still miscues and uh, defense looking questionable. Uh, I mean, like I said, this is almost a carbon copy, like copy and paste from what we saw against the Calgary Stampeders. Uh, we were expecting to play one quarterback and ended up playing another one. A uh, lot of the starters were replaced. And it almost feels like it was the exact same match. Yeah, no, I, I agree. At least, at least, at least, you know, McLeod Bethel Thompson isn't a rookie, but still. Right. I, I mean, he's, he's definitely a capable CFL quarterback. So, I mean, but still, like, we were all set for facing off against Nick Arbuckle and then get thrown in the mix. And the fact that McClub Bethel Thompson had never beaten the Alouettes before had to give Alouettes fans 
some you know some hope, some you know something positive, and then when the, a late scratch of Eric Rogers, yeah, I thought, oh my gosh, like that's <laughs> like that's that's one of the few weapons that they had available, and then he's out. I like I, I don't I don't want to say I got overconfident, thinking okay, this is going to be a cakewalk for the Alouettes. It sure as hell wasn't. No, it was not. By the way. Last Tuesday home game for the Alouettes was July 29th, 2003 versus Winnipeg. Wow. This feels like forever. <laughs> it basically is. I can't. Yeah, anyways. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. Yeah. I, I just, just looking at the stats here itself. I mean, it's. Again, you know. Vernon did well, but still, again, some tendencies were there. And if anybody happened to listen to the uh, TSN 690 post-game show where they actually uh, tuned in to the Owls uh, post-game press conference, it's it's pretty telling. You know, not everybody is a... is good with the media. You know, we've seen bad interviews, we've seen good interviews, and we've seen middle-of-the-line interviews. Just Vernon is, he was just so dejected. And, you know, he he takes everything on his shoulders, which is a good sign of a leader. You know, dealing with that, a half with uh, injured ribs. You know, so... I, I I don't know, Cliff. I I don't know. I mean, it's there are there are he, a lot of positives for this game, but again, unfortunately for this one, the negatives outweigh them, big time. And it's not all on Vernon Adams' shoulders. I mean, he no. can he can take he can take all the blame if he wants, but it's not all on him. Granted, he made mistakes, but he also worked his ass off to get back into things. He he did as he normally does. He put the team on his back and nearly willed them to victory problem was the mistakes he made were not good <laughs> i mean there's as we said the whole jekyll and hyde thing big play va versus vernon and it's it's frustrating i i understand why alouette's fans would be frustrated watching this and now doubt's been cast on the team and doubt's been cast on him as far as can he handle the pressure and all that i think i think he's proven himself over the years that he can handle the pressure he he knows what it takes. It's just really bad reads. Like he, like, like the the throws that he made. It almost felt like he was purposely throwing at the Argo defenders. And I think that's the frustrating part. Is okay, fine. We're we're sitting on the couch. What the hell do we know? But there's a little part of me that's just kind of looking there. Like, look, what I, I I'm not even gonna begin to compare football knowledge to Vernon Adams, but. What the hell? <laughs> what what kind of throw was that? I mean, yes, it's it's easy to to yeah, again. It's easy, we are, everybody are are Monday morning quarterbacks. I get that. Oh, one hundred percent. But and that's, but that's the you, thing. That's why I'm never going to say anything yeah, like that. But, but at the same time, it's still like just. And I'm sure once he saw the film, even he's got to be like, "What the hell was I thinking?" Well, on that, that what one? in the fourth? Oh, oh, for sure, for sure. That that ball easily could have been thrown out of bounds. I understand he was trying to make a play. That I understand. I would have even taken an intentional grounding at that point. Like, uh, well, he was outside what? of the box, so it shouldn't have been an intentional grounding, right? So, but still, dude. I mean, two weeks, and I mean, the Alouettes have almost a thousand yards of total offense in two games. 
and have two losses. I mean, they dominated in almost, if I'm not, if, almost every, if at not every single offensive category, actually every category. I mean, what team holds the ball for 36 minutes and loses? The one who doesn't win the turnover battle. Yes. Yes. That that's the thing. McLeod Bethel Thompson didn't make any mistakes. I think that's that you have to look at that as being one of the key factors as to why the Argos were able to come away with the W is because of the fact that McLeod Bethel Thompson and his group of no name receivers, they got the job done. They didn't make any mistakes. They were also too less penalties. Oh, for sure. By the way, did both uh, did I'm trying to remember did both of, of Vernon's interceptions lead to lead to points? Yes, they did. Yeah. Field goal and a touchdown. Yep. That's 10 points right there. Yellow was lost by three. Ten and 10 point. Uh, the, yeah, the touchdown was in the, uh, was in the second quarter. Mm-hmm. That, that, that killed me. <laughs> and, and, but again, as I said, you can't put this completely on Vernon. No, no, you can't. I mean, uh, the penalties were worse. Just this, the, the, this deep, this team, when it comes to penalties is also Jekyll and Hyde. Well, discipline's always going to be a factor. To me, what I thought was was the most glaring mm-hmm. issue with, with with why the Yellow lost the secondary. Oh, for they were sure. burnt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they were completely burnt. All of them. Yeah, yeah. Were just owned by, like I said, a, a group of no name receivers. And just yeah, there's penalties involved as well, but just beaten on coverage. Like for example, the. Uh, uh, one of the touchdowns that uh, Toronto scored, and I, I'm not sure if that was off the interception or not, but uh, uh, Ricky Collins, he, like I said, he, he was doing his best impression of uh, Pinball Clemens by bouncing <laughs> off uh, Money Hunter, Darius Pickett, Greg Reed. Like, none of these guys could tackle worth a damn. Hey, well, if I'm not mistaken, wasn't that the touchdown where Money tried to just to, to, to tackle, tackle ta- to, to shoulder tackle him instead of actually wrapping his arms around the damn player? Well, for example, I mean, and then, like I said, the other guys, there's, he was, Collins was just bouncing off these guys, like, literally like a pinball. It was, like, just sloppy, extremely sloppy. Uh, Taekwon Glass on other series, too, like, he was he was just getting the brake speed off of him. Yeah, Glass, Pickett got burned, if I'm not mistaken. Um, Like I said, pretty much anybody in that secondary they, they they're all to blame as far as I'm concerned. As far like like they've all, they've all got their part in as to why the Alouettes lost that game. Like it was just extremely bad coverage. Yeah, I agree. And it's frustrating too because we know Greg Reed's an all star. Money Hunter is also one of the the better players. Is like Darius Pickett. Okay, he's a CFL rookie. He's going to make mistakes. That happens. So you have to allow for that. Uh, Taekwon Glass, I mean, he's a veteran too. I mean, he's, he doesn't have qu- quite the uh, the experience that uh, guys like uh, Hunter and Reed do, but uh, I mean, he's he, still a very effective player, or at least he was when he was at Edmonton, and well, that's what, exactly what we expected when he came back to Montreal. And you know, I, I like the guy. I, I think he, when he's on, he's a heck of a player. But I mean, like I said, all, all four of those guys, they just they got dummied. And it sucked because I mean the, the the Argos had a field day with them. Quite frankly, yeah. I you look at the stats alone. Vernon improved substantially, and he was impressive. Not a lot of the stuff. You know, I I still wouldn't call that last touchdown that the Owls got in garbage time because it wasn't because the Owls were were still in the thick of things. Mm-hmm. I mean, Vernon only missed nine passes all game. 
I mean, he was 30 of 39 for 382 yards, but two picks and two interceptions. And McLeod Bethel-Thompson was only 13 and 19 for 210 yards. He also had two TDs, but, you know, again, he didn't have any interceptions. And and to me, it was another wasted game for William Stanbeck. 19 carries, 133 yards, a 7.0 average, dude. And a, t- and, a t- and a touchdown. His longest was 23 yards. And leading the league in rushing. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, it, it, that's the really frustrating part is he's having himself a heck of a year despite all of this. And what do we have to show for it? Just losses. Yeah. Um, Jake as far Wernicke, as I'm concerned... Jake, I was say, go ahead. All right. <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, like this is a... Four and two team, but they're playing like a two and four team. I mean, you are uh, when they say you are what your record says you are. Yeah, this is this is the proof. Yeah, undisputably, like this is this is a team that should have won that game in Calgary. They definitely should have won this game in Toronto. I mean, this this team should be four and two, and on top of the the, the Eastern Division, instead. Now you now you got the Red Blacks breathing down the, the Alouette's neck. Yeah, they're half a game out. Yeah. Um, also, we can't forget. By the way, BJ Cunningham stumbled too. Uh, yeah that that didn't help the cause either. And again, you can't you, you can't pin that on Vernon. I mean, it's again just mistakes. It happens. I mean, we know what kind of player BJ is. But it's... But, it, but but just like last week, the week prior, and they were they were driving. Yeah. <laughs> You know, doesn't make it any less frustrating. You're absolutely right. No. Two receivers. Dallas had two receivers over 100 yards. Eugene Lewis, uh, eight receptions on 12 targets for 112 and a touchdown. Jake Winicky, great game for this dude. I'm glad he's finally able to get something going. Six receptions on nine targets for 117 yards and also a touchdown. Uh, BJ had uh, 48 yards. Quan Bray had a very good game back. Uh, for 66. I thought it was funny. They kept on talking during the game. I think it was, wasn't that during the game there that they were talking. They don't know why he, you know, he was, he was back, you know, cause see him back again coming off the injury list. I'm thinking, dude, do you not know he was, he, he was a healthy scratch. I mean, come on, Rod, get it together. <laughs> you know, come on. <laughs> oh boy. I mean, again, it's frustrating. Alice have over 500. He had 551 total yards of offense. 551 of total yards. Yep. And they lose. It's absolutely, it's, it's maddening. And even when the team itself on their Twitter account is talking about, look at all these great numbers y'all are putting up. Like, yeah, that is great, but there's no style points in the CFL. I mean, if you don't turn all, all these stats and, you know, benchmarks and everything, that's all well and good, but you need the W's man. Like, and Again, losing by three points is not a, a moral victory. There is no moral victories in the Canadian Football League. No. You win or you lose. That's it. And the Alouettes are losing, and that's that's not good. Yeah. Yeah, so VA's interception came uh, with under, I think it was uh, under a minute in, in the, again, they were driving in the second. Uh, fumbled by BJ as they were driving in the third. And then the INT um, with under five minutes with them driving again in the fourth. So it's like just backbreaking stuff. And again, 
It makes you expect me, this team. You know, it makes you me this want, So <laughs> it's twice this week. Yay! What's up? Go, Cliff. What what's what's frustrating though is this this just speaks to the fact that the talent is there. This team knows how to win. They've they got the pieces in place to be able to win. And they they've talked about it numerous times. The players have uh, during interviews is we have to be able to execute. Like they know what they have to do. They know they have to execute. It's just now a matter of when are you going to execute? Because you're not executing right now and it's it's very frustrating. Uh I, I wish there was something that, you know, like I, I think back to like 2019, like even the times when the Alouettes got down, they figured things out. Like they made adjustments in the second half. Yes. And I don't feel like the Alouettes have done that lately. I don't feel like they've adjusted. They played catch up and I thought that, you know, I thought the last the two games that they, to, that, that they were sidelined by a turnover on their first drive. Wasn't it, didn't they ever turn over on their first drive two weeks ago too? Mm-hmm. Of the second half? Yep. I mean, you know what's funny? You look at what they've done, you know, at the end versus Calgary, at the end here versus Toronto. Um, they, you know what? It makes me wonder if this team should go more no huddle. Play more tempo? I noticed because because they, when they got the, they started at their own five for that last drive. Of the fourth, their last touchdown. Mm-hmm. And they scored a touchdown. Yeah. I mean, the, so, the fact that maybe the they should. Vernon, the fact that Vernon threw a dime to, to Winecki just to, to move the chains was an absolute thing of beauty. Yeah. That helped. And I think the, the, uh, the Argos were just so shell shocked. That's how Winecki was able to score that touchdown so quickly. But uh, yeah, I mean, problem is, it, it feels like they're doing stuff like this. With you know, like it's a little too late to do that. Like, and don't give me this nonsense about you know CFL. It's not over till it's over. Nonsense. Like, you know, I get it. Okay, I I understand. But at the same time, where's that sense of urgency throughout the game while you're while you're sitting there chasing your own tail? Why aren't you trying to engineer drives like that? Yeah. Earlier to give yourself more of a chance. That's that's the that's the part I have a really hard time wrapping my head around is. Like when it comes to play calling like that, like just that sense of urgency, like you said, maybe go no huddle more often, maybe go tempo and try to catch them napping because what you were doing before wasn't working. So switch it up and, you know, try to try to keep the opposition guessing. Right. I think somebody called it on was it on social media. Maybe it was you or somebody right, you know, for the drive at the end of the game. I went once they got the ball back and, and trying to go down. Didn't somebody say why don't you? Uh, some the, the Owls should have called two straight plays. They, they had two in the can already, so you don't have to worry about huddling. You can just go. Well, I think every team that runs a well, if you're running a two minute drill, you should have that. You should. And I don't think that that was the case. Like there should be a, like just automatic that everyone knows, and you just have that that one word. Like a lot of NFL teams will do that. They'll have when they they run their two minute drill is right away. You just you know exactly what the play is going to be. Just quarterback calls what uh, calls out the name of the play they know right away and they just go ahead and execute it yeah like, alice should definitely be doing something like that if you're going to try to run that kind of an offense like well ideally if you're not trying to play catch up but <laughs> but uh yeah i mean that's to me yeah you, I, I think any football team ha- you know worth their salt should be able to uh, execute something like that in their in their two-minute drill yeah 
Yeah, that last drive for the touchdown, six plays, 105 yards, and the guy and the clock started at 151. <laughs> yeah, and even more impressive was after the the onside kick to get the ball back didn't work. I mean, you still got a two and out from exactly. the exactly like the defense. So this is what I mean when the defense is doing their job for the most part, they got that and just to get the ball back and to even just try to get the the field goal. Unfortunately, clock management just ended up doing the team in. Like, but they had very little to work with as well. So right. it's and what we've been talking about with the defense and stuff like that, there were some ramifications because of it, because of it, but we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that after our interview, which it's funny. We're so many minutes in. I haven't even mentioned that we have <laughs> David Sanchez on the phone, uh, on the, on the show with us tonight, mm-hmm. but we'll talk about that in the game afterwards. But yeah, I mean, Things have to be done. Things have to be done. I, 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 you know, we're two and two and four. I don't. We don't want to become two and five, but we got the we got Hamilton coming up next week. Uh, this week. Yep, this Saturday. And again, Hamilton has not lost at all at Tim Hortons Field this season. And the Owls and haven't won at Tim Hortons Field. That's true too. But mind you, <laughs> it's only been twice. Well, that was it. So, but still. the thing is, though. The, the the Tiger Cats are, uh, you know, the, they're getting healthy again. They're the, a lot of their, uh, a lot of the players that they had out are starting to come back. They're starting to participate in practice again. So, still too soon to say who's who we're going to be facing as far as uh, you know quarterback goes. If the Tiger Cats are going to have Jeremiah Masoli back in the lineup, or if uh, David Watford's going to be the still be the quarterback going into this game, I was under the impression it was going to be Watford. But I, I, that's my impression. But then look what, look what happened. Look who started. You know, everybody didn't know for, you know, the game yesterday. <laughs> the game, you know, nobody knew that was going to happen for Ottawa. <laughs> no, no, not at all. And I don't think too that Orlando Sonnyhire is going to pull a, a Rick Campbell and say that okay, this guy like the Watford's going to be the starter. But then at the very last minute, it's going to be Jeremiah Masoli. I don't see him pulling a stunt like that, but. This is the CFL where anything can happen and points don't matter. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah. So before we get to the interview, just to remind everybody that we are on social media. Uh, obviously, you can catch us over at Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, um, Facebook. Most of them are listed. Just look up Alouette's Flight Deck. Obviously, Twitter for us is at Alouette's FL Deck. Cliff is at, at Cliffy D. I'm at Repact. That's R E P P A C T. Any of the archives you want to listen to, you can head over to alouettesflightdeck.ca. Um, YouTube account. Hey, by the way, speaking of you guys are doing an amazing job, if you haven't already, head over to our YouTube account to search Alouettes Flight Deck. We're getting closer and closer to getting 100 people where we will be able to have our specific and custom URL. And again, folks, if you get, a, get have, help get us to 100 subscribers, we've got a very amazing giveaway planned for that. So yes. give us a like, give us a, you know, subscribe to the Flight Deck on on YouTube, uh, show us the love, and you know what is going to come back to you. Exactly. Um, also, we are on many other social, uh, on a podcast aggregates. Uh, 
you know where we are. <laughs> Apple, uh, uh, Google, uh, uh, yeah, iTunes, uh, um, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Spotify, and many others that I'm sure we don't know about. Where oh, our, uh, where absolutely. our RSS feed is hanging out. That's it. Like, like I said, folks, if if you listen to podcasts, if you're not on any of the big any of the big uh, aggregates, and pretty much wherever you listen to podcasts, just type in like the search words "Alouette's Flight Deck." Pretty sure odds are you're, you're going to find us. You know, I mean, the fact that we're on the big ones definitely helps. Uh, you know, and we definitely appreciate if you if you want to like or subscribe there as well. We definitely appreciate the support there. But pretty much uh, anywhere you that you that you listen to podcasts. Chances are you're going to find the Alouette's flight deck. We were lucky enough to be able to get uh, former Alouette and current uh, TS, uh, CFL and TSN panel member Davis Sanchez uh, with us. And so we are going to uh, speak with Davis. And when we get back, uh, we've got a few more things to talk about. So stay tuned. And with us on the line now. We've had him on before. It's been a while. We're glad to have him back. It's a gentleman, you know, as a not only a former Alouette, but hey, if you if you watch any of the uh, TSN, CFN on TSN broadcasting, he's part of it. Yes, it's him. It's actually him. It's Davis Sanchez. Hey, man. How are you, Chaz? Good to be back on the flight deck. What's up, fellas? Hey, doing good. Hey, not right. much, man. Not much. Been a, been a minute, but, uh, you know, we, we definitely had to have you back on for a chat and, you know, find out what's going on. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I, I made I made it for for a return. Usually, I don't get callbacks from dates or from podcasts. So it's good to be back on, fellas. <laughs> you know, you all got a spot here anytime you exactly. need. Exactly. You got everything going for you, Chez. Former Alouette, currently on the TSN panel. Hey, maybe we can get some. Three-time you know, Grey Cup champion. Yeah, yeah. Get some inside deets. You can spill the tea. You know, whatever whatever the kids say yeah. these days. <laughs> Yeah, I don't, I don't know, I don't know any of, I don't know any of what the kids kids say, but I'll, uh, I'll trust, I'll trust you guys on that. Um, obviously, it was a weird off season, and we saw you. Um, not only, you know, it was doing everything virtually. Um, we saw you during the, uh, during the draft. We saw you a couple times this season already too. Now, explain to anybody who, who may not know, including myself, because we're curious to know about this. How hard is it to be a part of a broadcast team or a panel and having to deal with doing this stuff virtually? Well, one of the best things about a panel, guys, is the fact that it just it's at least the good panels and in which you want to try to you try to do the most of is, is just sitting around and, and making a conversation like you're sitting with your buddy at a bar on the couch and just talking. And then, so you try to bring that out as much as possible in the panels. And I think, I think the best panels are those, the ones that can make it most conversational when you're at home and you're staring into a lens, you can't do that. And there's one thing that folks might not know, and I'm sure you guys have picked it up watching, but there's almost a two second delay. So, You'll hear, you know, one of us talk, and then you'll you'll feel that pause. It almost seems like we're thinking about what we're going to say, but it's really just a just a delay um, on the other end. And then and then when when you're talking, you're you're just staring into a, a lens of a camera. We, we've all done, you know, videos or sending messages to our, our buddy on the phone. I mean, at least with at least with that, you can you're looking at yourself on the on the camera with with what we have the setup we have. It's called Digero. 
we're actually just staring into a lens. So it's, it's kind of, um, it's difficult. You got to get used to it. I think we're getting better at it and getting used to it. And hopefully I don't want to get too used to it because I'd like to be back in and we're all kind of back in for the most part. We're back in now full time, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's good to be back. How about that? It's good to be back with the boys and, and Kate on the panel and, and, uh, you know, doing what we love to do. And, and, uh, you know, hopefully having fun with, uh, you know, all parties involved and including obviously all, all the people watching. Yeah, for sure. And you actually, uh, actually, you, you brought up a little bit about my next question. Tell us about uh, having Kate as your, your leader this year. I mean, it's it's a little bit of change. Who anybody who's been watching, you know, the CFL and TSN for all these years with Rod switching back, I guess, to doing more play by play. But anybody who knows Kate and watch her on on Sports Center all these years knows that she knows her stuff. What what's it like having her uh, at the head of the table, so to speak, for you guys? Yes, she's she's really smooth, and she's what I uh, appreciate most about her. And uh, and I I already knew it because I had worked with her before on on CFL, and I worked with her at Grey Cup, and I've also worked we worked at NFL Sundays last year. Mm-hmm. Kara was on that leave, and so Kate did a lot of it with me. And one of the things that's so good about Kate is she's really good on the fly. She's you know, you can throw a curveball at her last minute. You can change the topic mid sentence and throw her off script. And she's she's sharp and she's quick and she's easy to roll with it. Which, you know, like I was just saying, when when you're doing panels, that's kind of the best the best type of TV. So um, she's prepared. She's smart. She's fun. She doesn't take herself too seriously, which which also um, makes her great. She's she's talented, and so it's been uh, it's been a seamless transition with having her and and. We miss Roddy because that's our boy, but uh, that's, you know, calling games is something that Rod's wanted to do for a long time, and that was Rod's choice to, to go and do that because it's something he, he loves and he's always wanted to do. So, you know, good on him for getting an opportunity. He deserves it. He's awesome. And uh, and I think Kate, I think Kate's done a great job, uh, you know, keeping it, keeping it going. Yeah, sure. Cliff? Any chance of you getting into the broadcast booth at any point this season? No, no, no plan this year. I haven't, uh, haven't even brought it up. I, I think, you know, eventually that might be something that we talk about. But I've, I've never even, uh, I've never brought it up. Never had any thoughts about. It. I got so much going on right now, Cliff. It's, it's just, you know, with, with the edge, with launching the edge, is is a, is a big project for us. And then I'm, I'm full time NFL, and and obviously my my main gig is is being on the CFL panel. So it's just I got a lot going on and trying to pick up something new at this point is just uh i don't have much interest in it I'm just kind of kind of rolling with all the stuff that i got and trying to get through it right now and, and having a blast with it. Hmm. now talk to us about tsn edge uh, for those that don't know it uh, focuses a little bit more on the uh you know the gambling the fantasy aspects of things uh take us a little bit more into what your what led to your involvement in it just that I'm a savage degenerate gambler. That's what led me into it. <laughs> I, uh, I love gambling. Yeah, that's, uh, that'll do it. Yeah, I mean, it's been you know, it's a, it's a passion of mine, and and I knew that, you know, I knew that this is where the industry was headed, and so when I when I hopped on with TSN in 2018, I brought it to them right away and was talking to, you know, the powers that be and some of my bosses and some of the guys that I'm working with right now. I'm with TSN Edge and Brett Bailey is kind of the guy who spearheaded it and Dom, Dom Padula, and, along with Ken Bolden. And so having these conversations with these guys uh, early on, and we, we talked about it, and, you know, and I just, you know, 
explain the passion of, of gambling and, and sports betting and, and kind of finding that uh, intersector between um, sports broadcast and, and sports betting. And we knew that there's, there's a market for it, and everybody's been on board. We've been, we've been talking about it for a couple of years, and it's just the legislation. We were kind of taking it slow, and we're still taking it slow. We, we only, we're only a few-man crew at TSN. There's only a few of us that are kind of full-time on it. And uh, we have big plans for what we're going to do moving forward, but we're just kind of taking it slow until the legislation is completely done, and then we'll we'll do a full launch. And and uh, you'll see a, you already see a lot of it uh, on on Sports Center and everywhere else across TSN. But you'll in the next year you're going to see a whole lot more, and and, uh, and uh, it's uh, hopefully everybody's enjoying it. It's you know it's really just it's really just the same thing that we're already doing watching watching games, but. Instead of giving analysis of just the game, we're giving the analysis of the game with the gambling and the fantasy aspect too. Mm-hmm. What do um, you find that? Oh. Sorry, I was gonna say just for because obviously right now a lot of the sites you know that the CFL has partnered with and with TSN, you know, talking about all the you know sports interaction and, and the other ones and uh, Regal Bet or Bet Regal rather, <clears throat> most of them right now are, are just with free quote-unquote free money you know most of them you can't make a real bet who do you think in your opinion will be once it, the legislation is fully passed do you think there's gonna be one main leader when it comes to making uh, uh bets through a sports book yeah whoever tsn announces the partnership with that will be the leader <laughs> okay <laughs> that was my that was my, that was my that was my company man answer no i think be a lot of companies that that will uh you know have their have their foot in the action and, and uh, have skill in the game and that's uh, across the country. As soon as it goes, you know, it's already we've already passed uh, a lot of steps to get to legislation's obviously gone through, but uh, the licenses haven't been handed out yet. But I think there's gonna be a lot of different players in it. But uh, you know, we'll obviously be working with our our partners here at, at uh, the network and, and the league and and, uh, and moving forward. But it's, I think it's gonna be. It's gonna be like uh, like cannabis and like liquor and like everything else. It's gonna be very competitive and and uh, there's gonna be some major players and then there's gonna be some smaller boutique shops. And I think uh, and look, competition is is good for all of us who enjoy fantasy and sports betting because that just gives us better prices on on uh, on the lines and on, on on all the contests because uh, just for competition purposes. Yeah, for sure. Excellent. All right, Davis, let's talk about our Montreal Alouettes. It, it, what the F is going on? <laughs> they're, they're, they're two and four. Two and four. Uh, I mean, let's be honest. There's a couple of games that really, realistically, they should have been W's. And just to, it was just taking one or two things going the Alouettes way or just things that they could have done a little bit better. And it'd be a completely different story. In your opinion, from what you've seen so far, based on the six games they played, what's going on? <laughs> uh, well, look, it's, uh, uh, well, I think the inconsistency with, with Vernon—that's that's you know probably that conversation has been been beat to death. Um, I've seen you know I, I'm a big fan of Vernon and I'm a big fan of of, of his talent and and I'm. I think that if I'm across the, the landscape of the league and, and quarterback position, I think he's one of the guys that is uh, uh, the most exciting. And I think his ceiling is as high as anybody. So 
um, the expectations are high for him. I think I believe he was my he was, he was my pick for for most most valuable play this year pre preseason. I thought he had a chance to to do that. Uh, I think he just got to be more consistent. He's got to um, believe in believe in himself, and and uh, you know, that, it all it all starts with with VA and the team, and, and like most teams, it all starts with the quarterback. But that's the, the one thing that jumps out is you'd like uh, Burns to be just a little more consistent. Yeah, for sure. Because, you know, last week, Cliff and I were talking, both of us came up with a different analogies on how to describe how Vernon, is, Vernon has been since you know, since he's been with the Alouettes. I mean, I, I've called him a, a Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde quarterback. And, and mm-hmm. you know, he's an Alouettes quarterback that has only won two games in a row twice in his career. I mean, oh. it's consistency that, that we're looking for. We still love VA. We still have all faith in VA. Right. But we're just wondering, you know, uh, Cliff gave a great analogy too. He, he was, uh, you weren't compa- were you comparing him, or were you were you saying he's similar to to, uh, uh, to Hank Cliff? I can't remember what it was. I, I, I said I feel I see a lot of similarities in how Vernon approaches things to Henry Burris. Like the, the career paths seem to be almost like parallel. Like you, you've got good Hank and bad Hank, and I see it seems like there's good Vernon and bad Vernon. Right. Well, for Vernon's sake, you hope that's the case because uh, there's a whole lot more good Hank than bad Hank, wasn't there? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, and that's what yeah. we're hoping for, yeah, honestly, I mean, for, uh, from Vernon. Yeah, yeah, no, no doubt. I mean, it's it is tough. I mean, Vernon, and then also, I think you know, I think Vernon. What we forget about Vernon, he's been around for a while now, right? Now it's you know it's. Uh, and he was almost at one point, you know, two years ago when, when Johnny Mandel came in and he was odding that out in Hamilton. I thought that was the end of his career. So it's been, you know, a pretty good, pretty good, pretty good bounce back. And we've seen some, some, some really good stuff in VA. And, and uh, I'm sure that he, you know, he wants to, wants to continue that. And, and uh, he's got the right people around him. You know, he's got, He's got Kahari, and 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 I think that's you know for him, and uh, and even even Danny for that for that matter. I mean, he's got people around him that are that are solid solid people, and especially a guy who's played the position Kahari. I think that's you know if Vernon sticks with the process, I think he's uh, he's got a chance to you know do some good things. Yeah, Eric, it starts with Kahari. Uh, it starts with Vernon. I mean, that's you're, you're absolutely right there. Uh, when you take a look at the rest of this team. Uh, as far as you're concerned, where do you th- where do you see the the strong points and the the weak points? Of, like when we talk about the overall personnel, uh, strength. Well, obviously, the strength is that is, is William Sandback in, in the run game. It's uh, you know you have a guy that's uh, he might be the most the most talented all around guy in the game right now. So uh, you know you can you can run your offense through him, and I think that's. Uh, that's a pretty, that's a pretty good thing, and I think uh, when I look at weaknesses, I don't know. It's, it's been like this for a while now. It's, it's it's the pass the pass rush is something that I'm not sure I'm I'm, uh, I'm you know worried about uh, linebacker core. I'm not sure that I'm you know it's one of the best. But the, the front the front seven is not a front seven. It's gotten better for sure. I think you guys would agree, wouldn't you? Yeah, I mean, as as far as I'm concerned, like I, uh, that's why I'm a little surprised with the move that was made to get rid of Todd Howard as far as defensive line coach goes, uh, just because I think the the pass rush could be better, 
could definitely be a lot worse, though. I think uh, overall, uh, the addition of Almondo Sewell has been a blessing. Work, him working alongside yeah. with Woody Barron has, they've just been fantastic. Uh, right now, though, like my big concern, though, has to be the secondary. Like I've, I feel that they're not playing up to their potential and they're just getting the brake speed off of them. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, well, I mean, you have a, you have uh, you have Baron, um, so you would expect that to be a, a good group, right? That's just it. Like, getting, yeah, they're they're definitely getting coached right. So, um, is, is it the talent? Uh, I don't know. I, I've seen that across the league. I've seen a lot of a lot of the backfields struggling. Uh, a lot of miscommunication, a lot of busts, and Ottawa consistent. Edmonton keeps doing it as well. There's a lot of teams that are that are struggling in the back end. I don't know, Chesy. I think you got to get DBU back up and running. Uh, get these uh, <laughs> get these guys right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, well, it, it, it all works in, in conjunction. The pass, the pass rush, and the secondary they, they work together, and, and uh, you know. It's, I don't know how long. I don't know if if, uh, if uh, Mark Anthony Dequad is uh, is out for a while. Is that what's the deal with him? Uh, he's. Uh, I don't think he's been sick. I, I think he's on the six game list. So that's yeah. That's because I mean, like again, Ty Cranston does a, a very admirable job, but uh, I mean, it's 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 the depth more than anything else that c- kind of concerns me. Uh, what I understand though is Dominique Termanson who was on the practice roster and then all of a sudden is on a suspended list now. So like, that's a, a good veteran hand to have uh, in the, in that backfield. But I mean, what, I what do I, I know? I don't know anything about that. I wonder why he's on the suspended list. I didn't, uh, I did not see that. I don't know what that would, what that would even mean. Um, but yeah, I think, yeah, I like Dominic. I've always, I've always liked him. I think he's, I think he's a good player. I think he's the guy that probably, um, didn't get as many shots as he probably could have, could have gotten and, and uh, could feel in that room. Yeah, uh, look, the back end, is there's talent. Like Greg, Greg Reed is, is talented. Money Hunter is aggressive. I, I like his aggressive. I don't, I, don't know if, I, don't know, I don't know if Money Hunter is, is uh, the technician. I think he's more of a football player. I don't like Pickett out uh, on the field side corner. I just, I think, again, th- those guys both, I think, are, I think Pickett's a really good football player. And I think, you know, I think Pickett would be a guy that would be my my Sam. Uh, you happen to have a really good Sam in, in Patrick Levels, right? So mm-hmm. you have a good nickel in Levels, but I think that would be where Pickett would play. I think you just want to get him on the field because I just the same way I think he's a good football player. I don't know if he's suited to be a, a field corner. And then for whatever reason, Taquan Glass just struggled. Uh, I mean, Taquan Glass has really struggled. Mm-hmm. Um and so I think look across the back line. I think there's guys playing out of position. In, in my opinion, I think that uh, the safety spot has been a little bit of an issue. And uh, you know, I think Greg Reed is. Uh, I don't think Greg Reed is the best best player back there. And, and you know, it's, uh, after that, I think there's, there's there's questions across the board um, with guys who I think are pretty good football players. I'm not sure if they're exactly um, in position they all should be in, but. Uh, if you look at them, they, they're all kind of, at least from Hunter Pickett and, and Hunter Pickett and uh, Levels, they're all, they're all similar, right? So. Absolutely. Uh, going into this game against Hamilton on Saturday, uh, 
is, is it safe to say it's a must-win for the Alouettes if they want to compete, seeing as what uh, Ottawa just did against the Elks? No, there's, there's very little, very few must wins in this game. Just because of the because of the way the the playoffs work, it's an important game. Um, but uh, I don't think it's must win. You're you're sitting there in a, in a, in the spot where you're still you're still in reach of not only not only just the playoff but you're in, in position in position to still potentially you know win the East. So it's it's not a must win, but it's. Uh, you know, if you want to gain some confidence and and, and uh, you know, find your groove, we're almost we're at, are we at the halfway point or we're darn close? I mean, it's uh, that that's flown by pretty quickly. This shortened season, the fact it started late, uh, we got to yeah. the halfway point pretty quick, but we're getting yes, there pretty quick. Yes, we did. We're we pretty much are at the halfway point now for uh, well, pretty much all the teams in the league, including Montreal. I'd say we're that's that's why I'm. Con- not necessarily concerned, but I mean, I wonder if Alouette's nation should be concerned at, at this point. So, I would say this: I, I feel like looking at this roster, looking at looking at you know this organization, who's in charge, looking at the head coach, looking at the staff, and then and then the pieces they have. I, I think that Alouette's still, you know, I, I think still is still in in uh, in range. I think there's a, there's a good shot. Just in my opinion, Alouette's have. As good of a shot uh, of coming out the East as anybody right now. Like mm-hmm. why, why not? If you look around at the other teams in the East and and their rosters and what and what the Owls have, like I like the receiving core is as good as anybody in in the East right now. I like I like these guys now. Do they need to be consistent and and, and does the be better? Sure, but I like them as I like them. They're talented. I like when Vernon's at his at his best, then you know he just. He's as good as, as as most of them out there, and and then this old line just has to. When you have William Stanback back there, I think you're, you know, you're uh, you help show line. I think they got a shot. I'm I'm not all that concerned with um, with this team. I think there's if anything I'm I'm uh, you know hopeful and and I think there's I'm optimistic that there's uh, you know there's a chance that this team can still come to the East. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it, All right. Yeah, when looking looking at this team, Chess. I mean, it's uh, I've been very impressed with the O line. I mean, just look what Stanbeck's doing. I mean, and fine, you know, he's finally catching balls out of the out out of the backfield too, because that was a huge problem at the beginning of the season. You know, because the Alouettes that, over their history have had great running backs who can catch the ball, and you know, Cliff and I were just floored. We we're like, why wasn't he able to catch the balls? But See, that seems to be correct, but yeah, and I agree with you. I mean, the defense itself, that something needs to be done. By the way, speaking of, were you surprised that the Owls made the change? Which change? At, at coach. Yeah, coach Howard. Yeah, were you surprised? I mean, I, I don't I don't know the internet. I didn't know the reason or what's going on, so I, I didn't, uh, I wasn't surprised or not surprised, to be, to be honest. Uh, I didn't, uh, who did they replace him with? Great quick. Yeah, great quick. Okay, okay. I did see the announcement that uh, Coach Quick, uh, something about Coach, Coach Quick, but I didn't know what happened. Is there, some, is there something behind that we, that we, you heard? We don't know. That That's the thing. We don't know. And yeah. it's, it, 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 I mean, for us, it yeah. just came out of nowhere. I mean. Well, it's like, it's like, the, it's like the, you don't want to speculate, but you can speculate that it's probably a COVID thing. That's what. That's what most of the things we're seeing now yeah. have, have a lot to do with, with vaccinations and stuff. I'm not saying that's what it is, no. but there's a possibility that's what it is. A la, a la Toronto. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot. Behind the scenes, there's a lot of teams that are the same thing. Yeah. 
league-wide, what do you think? Uh, do you do you think that uh, teams are adapting as far as like as far as with all these COVID uh, restrictions and protocols and all that? Do you think that it's impeding any one team in particular as far as uh, how they go about their day-to-day operations? You mean besides Edmonton, Cliff? <laughs> besides Edmonton, yes, that's the that's well, the obvious. Yeah. You know. yeah. <laughs> well, well, look, you saw you saw Toronto lost their lost their defensive coaching staff. I mean, that was the that was the situation. I mean, you have you know you had Glenn Young and Josh Bell, the defensive coordinator and defensive back coach, who both had to leave the, the team because of you know uh, I think it was because they weren't vaccinated. Again, I'm not I'm not going to go on record and say that because I don't know if it's been it's been been said that's the reason. I think it's pretty. I think that's what's been heard, but. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think that's, that was a that was a pretty big deal. I think you got to adjust. I mean, that's that's uh, that's the world we're living in. These are the rules that. And I will say this, uh, you know, as a everyone has their own right to, uh, to do what they feel in their personal life. Um, but when you're playing a professional sport that um, you know impacts other other you know hundred guys and seventy five guys on your team and seventy five guys on another team, then then you have to you know at that point it seems as though you have to. Um, you know, do what's best for the collective, and and if this is what the medical professionals say that's best for the collective, then you know that turned into what is a a personal thing and an off the field thing, and, and it turned into a football thing. And so I think the teams that are going to adjust to it best and, and adapt to it best, uh, that's going to help. Their, that's going to help their football team in the long run. That's that's all I'll say about that. Yeah. And what's funny, it's funny you mentioned that too, is that, you know, while we're talking, uh, Farhan Lalji tweets about that for some reason, you know, obviously the Elks and their issues that they're having, they're talking about GM Brock Sutherland and saying that how he is not vaccinated, but he's received a medical exemption. I, I'm, I think it's funny that how that, this questioning, and so we saw wow. yesterday with the NBA, you know, media day and stuff like that, and the whole thing that, that we saw with the different players and how everybody answered, it's become the talking point and while I understand it, it's around Davis. I mean, it's let's, let's talk more about football. I understand it. It's around there. As you said, I agree with you. Everybody has their own choice, but let's just, let's just continue to play football, dude. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you on that. I'm, I'm all good with leaving, leaving the other stuff, uh, to, to the news people and, uh, and to whoever else wants to talk about and the medical people, I'm happy to I'm happy to talk football. Exactly. Uh, w- one last thing before we really get you, and we want to we want we want to talk to you about it is looking at the league itself. The league this year has been it's been so weird, so weird. You know, scoring it seems to be way down. Uh, obviously, you know the crowds have been affected because of different protocols per different uh, uh, per different uh, province. Um, you know, we saw what happened last year. The NFL with COVID didn't have a preseason and scoring, I think, was up. I don't remember what percentage it was up, but it was up, I think, drastically. Why didn't the CFL do the exact same thing, Chez? Was it what, – what, what's the difference between what the NFL did last year and what the CFL is doing this year? You mean in regards to why was why scoring down in the CFL? Why was it up in the NFL? Yeah, well, why scoring down and yeah, why why is play just the way that it is this year? Well, for me, it's quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. The injury to quarterbacks is, is the one thing. Uh, I believe 
particular situation is another. There is an attempt to some, some of the, a few of the rosters, not all, but a few of them, to try to uh, fit local players as a kicker or a ratio situation as a kicker. And I think that's that's affected it. Um, those are the two things that, that stand out to me. And then I will also say that you know in the NFL there were a lot more the season that, that they just had last year. There was a lot more Zoom meeting and off-season programs that they went through before they started their their season. So, yes, they were, you know, there was COVID involved, but they also had um, a lot more resources uh, and structure in regards to uh, off-season programs and, and getting together that I think would have had the offenses, which when teams are, when people are not together and it's training camp at the beginning of seasons, especially shortened seasons and, and shortened off seasons with no preseason games, defenses are usually ahead of offense. I think that would be the biggest thing is that no preseason games are really no off season mini camps or anything like that. So that's what should be expected. Yeah. Yeah. Cliff, take us out, man. All right. Well, Davis, uh, you know, we always appreciate having you here on the flight deck. Uh, love your takes. Love, uh, everything that you give to us. Uh, I guess as far as uh, overall, I mean, it's as we, we talked about what's going on with the Alouettes and we, we, we know the talent is here. We know that this is a very talented football team. What do you think? Can this team replicate what they did in 2019? Can they get it together? And what can you say to Alouettes fans that, uh, that you just a little bit of hope in their team right now? Well, first of all, thanks for having me on the flight deck. And, and uh, you know, for any of our fans listening, uh, I, I appreciate you how much I would tell you, Cliffy, and uh, we've spoken over, over the years, but I, I'm a Montreal is my second home, and it's been, uh, it was awesome for me. And, and my years there are uh, I'll always be an ally. People always say, well, you play for BC, you play for Calgary, and I just, I, uh, <laughs> I'm an ally through and through. And, and so, uh, you know, I, I don't try not to come across bias on on the, on the broadcast because my job is to, to stay neutral. Uh, but definitely, my heart is is always with the house and the organization. And that city was just so so darn good to me that uh, I got a lot of love and always hope for the best. And, and, and remember what I expect for uh, the rest of the season. The pieces are there, and that's that's uh, I mentioned earlier. The pieces are there. There's, there's, there's weapons. There's, uh, there's there's a quarterback. There's leadership, um, and then and of course I'm a fan of, of Baron. So I think that uh, there's there's uh, definite potential. And, and uh, why can't why can't this team? I'll leave you with this. Why can't this team represent the East in the Great Cup? Nice. I'll take that. Fair enough. Well, why not us? I, that's <laughs> the exact attitude they've got to have. Is why not us? Once again, thanks to to Davis for coming on to the pod. Great hearing from somebody who, you know, you got to think about it. Really, has to stay neutral, no matter who you, you know, you, no matter how many teams you've been with or, or what team you stay with the longest. You know, you know how the how TSN usually gets the flack of being pro Toronto and stuff like that. But I mean, it's the, to be. It's refreshing to see a broadcaster who talks about the entire league is able to be as, uh, you know, as focused, but yet still dedicated to the team. Oh, without question. And, you know, we've had, we've had Davis on numerous times and it's always a blast to be able to chat with him. And 
you know, you, you see the love that he has for this game and, and, you know, for everything that he does. And, you know, it's, it's just such a treat to be able to talk to him whenever we have the chance. Uh, hopefully it won't be another, I think it's been a couple of years since we had him on. Hopefully it won't be another couple of years until we have him on again. Mm-hmm. Uh, once again, Davis, we can't thank you enough for joining us. And you know you're always welcome here anytime you want. We said it before and we'll say it again. Anytime you want to come on here and you know shoot the breeze with us, you know you got a spot open for you. Yeah. So we hinted at it um hinted at it earlier. You know, there were some ramifications, and I think this this really came out of nowhere, in my opinion, about the coaching change that the Alawits did. And for those who didn't know about it, Cliff, go ahead and uh, explain what, uh, if they happen to miss it, uh, explain what happened. Well, uh, defensive line coach Todd Howard is out and has been replaced by defensive assistant Greg Quick, who also was a coach with the Alawits back in the day. Uh, he was a uh, linebacker's coach. Uh, I think he did work on the defensive line as well. And even at one point was defensive coordinator for the Montreal Alawits. So Greg Quick knows this team up, down, inside and out. So I have no doubt in my mind that things will be fine. It was a bit of a shock, though, because Todd Howard has been coached now since uh, 2018. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, like whatever problems this team has, it's not necessarily the defensive line that's necessarily the problem. I mean, they, they started out super hot. Uh Things have kind of cooled down a little bit, but uh, you're still seeing production out of guys like Woody Barron and Almondo Sewell. Uh, I still think this is a very well put together unit. I thought it was well coached as well. I mean, we haven't really seen too, too many penalties from the defensive line. Uh, but for whatever reason, Kahari Jones decides he wants to make a coaching change. I don't know if it's to send a message to anyone or if it's to you know, what, what the specifics behind it was. But uh, now... Todd Howard's out and Greg Quick is in. And also, too, the Alouettes also filled Greg Quick's defensive assistant spot with uh, director of national scouting for the Alouettes, Brian Archambault. Uh, again, another move I that, that I was, thought that was, a, that was of U.S. scouting. Uh, no, he's director of national scouting. Okay, okay. I read it wrong then. Okay. Yeah, but uh, kind of interesting that uh, a guy who was pretty much in the front office, again, a former player, is now expected to handle some defensive coaching duties. So I'm I'm really puzzled as to why it's like that, but listen, I I like I said, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me, but I I still believe in Kahari. If if this is the move that they felt that they had to make, then so be it. I mean, if it also helps kind of lighten the load a little bit for Baron Miles as defensive coordinator, having an experienced coach like Greg Quick helping out, then I'm all for that as well. I mean, the timing of the move is a little suspect. It's there's no question with being two and four. If if there's a problem, you you're best to figure it out now and nip it right. in the bud. Yeah, I'm all for that. Uh, it just it's just it just seems bizarre because like I said, there's a lot of things there's a lot of question marks about this team. There's a lot of weak points, if you will. Like there's a lot of reasons why you'd have to make a change. I just didn't think the defensive line was necessarily the reason why. Like there's nothing I could look to necessarily and say, Oh, yeah, okay, yeah, that's why you have to make that change. So I don't know if it was about sending a message, I don't know if it was about just shaking things up, uh, who knows? I mean, like the only people who really truly answer that question are Kahari Jones and Danny Machocha. And 
I don't know if this will make an immediate impact. Uh, I guess we'll find out on Saturday when the Alouettes play the the Tiger Cats. But it definitely was a bit of a surprise, considering it came Sunday evening as well. Just yeah, kind of no kidding. Kind of floated it out there, like, oh, by the way, coaching change. Like, wow, wait, what? <laughs> okay, I mean, you know, it is what it is. That's that's football for you, folks. It's just, you know, it's never boring. <laughs> no. <laughs> No, 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 it is not. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm trying to look real quickly to see what the, you know, the, the, it's not like, you know, the owls I think are, are close. They are when it comes to league stats, they, I mean, they're not doing that badly. You know, I guess it's, I guess it's at a point where they, I, I don't know. I don't know. Well, it's, it's kind of like that joke. Uh, you, can, you can use stats to prove anything. 64% of people would know that. But, <laughs> but I mean, that's that's the thing. Like, stats are nice. Stats are cool. But they're, they're it's not wins and losses. And that's really what it comes down to is, for whatever reason, yes, the LOS, this proves what I've been saying all along. The Alouettes have a very talented team. They can definitely put points on the board. They can definitely make incredible plays happen. The stats, the, in that sense, the numbers don't lie. But the numbers that are most important, it comes back to wins and losses. Mm-hmm. The Alouettes have two wins, zero losses. The Alouettes have not beaten a, the, the, of the, their two wins or against bad teams. That's really what it comes down to. So, the, uh, yeah, it, it looks impressive, the stats, but... Who have you beaten and who have you played? And this is the thing that concerns me going forward is that, okay, fine. We played the Red Blacks three more times. And before this past Tuesday, I would have said, okay, those are guaranteed wins because right now, or it felt like the, the Red Blacks were just, you know, in a shambles, but they managed to pull themselves together. Of course, they had to beat the Elks to do it. Like I said, the other team that the, the Alouettes were able to beat. So, I mean, like these are these losses or the, the wins, I should say, are just not indicative of what this team can do, I don't think. What's going to happen later on down the road when you're playing Saskatchewan and you're playing Winnipeg twice this year? Those are not guaranteed wins by any stretch. Uh, like, but this team's going to have to find a way to win, and not just against divisional opponents. Divisional wins are definitely important, and the Alouettes still have quite a few divisional games to go, but I mean, you got you got to find ways to win. And not lose by you know a few points no and some of the things seem to be okay for the alouettes i'm looking at some of the defense i know and as the stats are stats but especially coming up with this week's game you know 40 uh, you know hamilton is 47 two and outs okay mm-hmm. but yet they but they're tops in the league by forcing 44 mm-hmm. montreal's last in the league at 29 at forcing two and outs So, no, and that's one thing is that one thing Montreal is able to do more often than not is extend plays. Like they can extend drives, it's just they don't finish. That's the problem. Or instead of getting touchdowns, they'll get field goals, which is great for David Cote to help pad his stats. But once again, you can't win on field goals alone either. No, no, you can't. Wow, I did not know that BC has. Oh, their opponent's net offense. Okay, never mind. 
Yeah, the Owls just allowing way too many yards. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's it. They're racking up the yards, but they're also allowing yards. And mm-hmm. like I said, there's there's so many issues that need to be addressed and so many reasons why they lost against Toronto. So many reasons why they lost against Hamilton, BC, Calgary. And it's it's yeah. maddening because a couple of those games, like a couple of things bounced the right way. This team could even be five and one, if you can believe that. It's just a matter of got to close. Simple as that. You got to be closing. And the Elwes have done a terrible job of closing unless you're playing the Elks or the Red Blacks. And that's got to change. Simple yeah. as that. Yeah. I mean, the plus I guess for the Alouettes, I mean, all the pluses seem to be on offense there. I mean, the, the Alouettes, which remember, yeah, I remember I was talking about this a few years ago. Lee, uh, currently, Cliff, the team leads the league in second down conversion rate at 55.2%. That's crazy. That's literally half of your. Yes. Your Half of your drives are going to be extended. Yes. But what do you have to show for it? <laughs> This is where really what it comes down to. And they're leading the league in net offense at over 400 yards a game. I mean, again, you, you look at Vernon, nearly 400 yards passing against Toronto. Mm-hmm. That's incredible. Mm-hmm. But what, what do you think people give a rat's ass about that? No. no. They're going to say, no, oh, it's, it's wins and losses, dude. Wins You're and not- losses. Look, look at the picks he threw. He can't make a good, good decision. He can't make his reads. Blah, 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 blah. Like, that's what. That's really that's what people focus on. I'm sorry. Like you're only as good as what your record says you are, and you're only as good as the last play you made. And what was the last play that uh, Vernon made against Toronto? Took too long with the snap, threw the ball to Gino, tried to get out of bounds to at least you know have at least a second left on the clock. To I do swear, with. I swear that clock started early. Uh, it could have been. I but. swear that clock started early. I'm I'm glad you mentioned it because I because it went from four to. Th- from five to three. I'm like, wait a minute, where's four? But isn't it funny how it both that game and the Calgary game and it was ended Gino. with with Gino trying to do something, you know. Do you think they would have tried to go for the field goal? Of course. Why not? And, and, and I mean, again, I, I think it would have had to be at least at least a fifty five yard field goal. I mean, Cote's best I've, so far this season is 54, so... Cote's done well. Either 52 or 54, but I mean, like, kid's got a leg. Yeah. I mean, at the, and I think that's really what it came down to, is if at least had that one second on the clock to at least try it. I mean, if he missed, he missed. I mean, at that point, it really didn't matter, but... Yeah. Yeah, it, it, it just makes, makes things so frustrating, because... It's it's a, you, all the stats you rattled off. This team has talent. This is a very talented team, but they're not living up to that talent. They're not reaching that potential. And you, as I said, you you can't do this whole cardiac kids nonsense every single time and expect to win. No, it it didn't work against Calgary this year. It didn't work against Toronto. It really comes down to you've got you got to play better. Yeah, um, and I'm pretty sure you ask anyone on this team, they'll say the exact same thing. We got to be better, and Vernon has said it. I don't know how many times. I've got to be better. Yeah, that that's that that's what it comes down to, and he's right. He has to be better. I I know he can be better, but 
saying it and doing it are two completely different things. And I think the faster that people realize that and the faster that this team realizes it and realizes they can't just say it, they have to do it. I think we're going to see a much different football team. Fingers crossed. Positive note, uh, as I mentioned earlier in the show, William Stamick was named one of the players of the week. Um, as well, he should. Yeah, I mean, it was it was it marked his fourth game of more than 100 yards rushing this season. It's a personal best, and he also collected uh, an 800 yard plus game in his CFL career. In six games this season, Stanbeck sits atop the CFL with 618 rushing yards, which currently is 119 yards more yards than the next competitor and he averages 103 yards per game i mean that's phenomenal i mean that's that shows that the o-line is doing an amazing job for him which has been which has been a joy to watch oh without question i mean and for years this this o-line was always a work in progress but i think uh, the pieces they have in place are they're doing the job and it's it's outstanding to watch mm-hmm I'm, I'm I'm extremely impressed, and the fact that they are able to create the lanes to let Stanback do his thing is like I mean, first of all, the guy's hard to take down, and you can't you can't stop him on that that first tackle. But still, you you still need your your offensive line to create the opportunities for someone like that, and they've been doing it every single game. So you you definitely have to take your hat off to that. I mean, say what you will about the quarterback, uh, but this backfield is definitely doing the job. I mean, Stanback is definitely playing like the superstar we expect him to be. Yep, exactly. I need catching balls now too, so yes, that's, that's yes. an added bonus. Yes. <laughs> Whatever yips he had to start off the season, they're gone. He, he's, he's, he's a pass-catching machine now. <laughs> so, the, the game. Um, 4 p.m. on Saturday versus the, the uh, East-leading t- Hamilton Tiger Cats. Are they leading? Tied for first with for first. Toronto now because of the win. Oh, that's right. Uh, Alza split their last six at Tim, at in Hamilton. I got to say in Hamilton. Mm-hmm. Um, the game uh, on all the normal places, but one just one note, as I mentioned on social media this week. Due to a scheduling conflict with, I guess, the the Habs and their preseason game, uh, the game will be only streamed, the broadcast will only be streamed on TSN 690, uh, is it .ca or .com? I don't know. I, I usually just listen. To the, if I'm going to listen, I'll, I'll listen via the app or actually in my, my car if I'm listening on the radio. So. Yeah. So, you know, so TSN.ca. Go to TSN.ca and I think you can I think you can find it there. Yeah. But yeah, is. that that's something. This is a first for English radio as far as I know. You know, first time that it's only streamed. I know uh, the plus of the impact. Uh, CF Montreal have had that a couple times this year already mm-hmm. where they've been streamed online. But as far as I can remember, as long as the Alouettes have had a, a contract with a, a provider or a broadcaster, mm-hmm. this, this is the first, as far as I know, this is the first time that I could think of. No, there was one. Oh, sorry. I'm wrong. 
for streaming, yes. And only stream, yes. But yeah, anyways. Um, I mean, that, like, but, but again, you'll, you'll have to, I, if you want to listen to the, you, if you want to listen to uh, Sean Campbell and, and Marco Olivier Bure, you got to listen online because the game, it won't be, you know, it won't be on Sirius. It won't be, because they're, they're going to carry the Hamilton feed, et cetera. So, anyways. But the game itself, man, uh, I didn't even check what the line is. I, I think. Hamilton's favored by two and a half. Thank you. Well, they're, they're getting the they're getting the home three points, which is That's as, it. as far home. as I know is which is what it usually is, anyways. Yeah, and the uh, the CFL uh, .ca writers uh, or quote unquote experts have made their picks, and uh, two of the six have uh, gone with Montreal. Everybody else believes that Hamilton will probably steamroll over the Alouettes, <laughs> and I can't say I blame them considering. What, what's been happening lately so but the beautiful thing about the cfl is anything can happen i mean everybody expected the elks to run a rough shot over two quarterbacks who have never had any cfl experience and look what happened there yeah. montreal so, Cal- montreal and calgary <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah there's that as well jake mayer certainly made everybody uh, sit up and take notice uh Listen, that's that's a, that's a beautiful thing about this game is anything can happen. Like you, just when you think it's going to be one, was it the the late great Roddy Rowdy Roddy Piper once said, uh, "Just when you think you have all the answers, I go ahead and change all the questions." <laughs> and that's what CFL teams seem to do every week. We expect a certain thing, and boom, something else goes completely the opposite direction, and. People just don't know how to react. It, it, it's what makes this league so unpredictable, so exciting at times. But to me, I think, you know, if we start to, we start looking at what the Alouettes have to do to win this game in Hamilton, I mean, it, you just rattled off all those stats. This team knows how to score. Yeah. This team knows how to execute. It just has to execute. Uh, defense, though, I... I I think definitely has to really step up. I mean, like I said, the, the secondary was just abs- it was a dog's breakfast against the Argos. That's got to improve. And I sincerely hope that they they saw the mistakes they made and they're going to improve on that. Uh, this front seven, I think, is still very competitive. I still think can definitely make a lot of noise. And now with uh, Greg Quick kind of running the show for the defensive line, I'm curious to see how well they'll react to him almost immediately. Uh, like I said, his his coaching resume speaks for itself. Yeah, it I does. mean, he he knows the, he knows the system. He knows this organization up and down. As I said, I, I don't think there'll be any problems. Like, if anything, I think things will just get better as far as uh, this defensive line goes. Because uh, if they had to get rid of Todd Howard, it was because something wasn't working. So if if that's what it takes, get them back in, into it and get them back to being the team that we expect them to be then it was the right move to make. Simple as that. But Hamilton is is a team that, again, has all the potential to be an explosive powerhouse. And you know they're, they're going to be ready. Like, they they were rested. They were on the bye. Coming off, and now they're... They want to prove that they are who they say they are, too. Like, let's look at it. They're, they're leading, in, or they're tied for first in the, the, the Eastern Division, and they want to expand upon that. And again, everybody's everybody's counting the Alouettes out. 
and that's fine. I think the Alouettes are kind of hoping for that too. I think they're they would too want to catch everybody napping and see what and show the show the world what they can do. At least I hope so because, as I said, all this talk of have to be better and have to you know knowing what you need to do. That's all it is. It's just talk. You got to go out and do it. I've said it before, and I'll say it again. Like you've, you got to plan your work and work your plan. Yeah, I think that's what's key right now for Montreal is that they have to show that they they are who they they say they are. Because otherwise, we're just going to see more efforts like this. And as I said, the, this whole cardiac kids thing, this gutsy comeback stuff, it it makes things exciting. But is it worth? You know anything if you don't get that win? Yeah, now, and that's really what it comes down to: is you've got to get the win. Now, there's by one, any means necessary. There's one thing that we touched on uh, just a touch, but this this is a big thing that we need to really watch for the game. Uh, you know, Vernon Adams went through the second half last week with hurt ribs. I'm surprised at how well he did. By the way, I I mean some of the throws he made, it's as if his ribs were not bothering him one bit. Well, they, they they taped him up pretty good, or at least uh, I don't know if it was a compression shirt yeah, that I saw he had the on. Compression that, shirt, yeah, I saw them put it on. Yeah, yeah. So I mean that that probably helped too. But I mean he was favoring his his side, and don't think that guys like uh, Simone Lawrence and Ted Laurent aren't going to take advantage of something like that. Like I definitely see a lot of bull rushes to try and get to him and try and make him do that Houdini magic of his to escape, and that's going to put a lot of. Uh, wear and tear on the ribs as well like the, the way that vernon plays that that mobile style that he plays mm-hmm, like to mm-hmm. trying to escape that's going to take its toll on the ribs as well so i mean if he's not 100 and if he's not you know uh, I, I don't know if he's gonna have to get like a flak jacket or something underneath his uniform to to help keep his ribs you know protected i mean that that could be that could be a big factor as well and for whatever reason the, like again once because he was able to make that a great uh, throw to jake Winecki to get another touchdown. I, I I am really surprised that they didn't get Matt Schultz into the game. Like he was warming up, but he never actually did go in against Toronto. I noticed that too. And I mean, I think if Vernon wasn't going to be a hundred percent, then definitely Schultz, would have to get some looks as well. I mean, true, but we, we saw, we just saw, we saw, it's funny. We saw how well Vernon did do. I mean, that, that's the funny thing about it. You yeah. Know? I mean, I, I, like, I did not, uh, you know, some of the pass that he, he, uh, at first, uh, with all honesty, I thought it was a collarbone because the way that he was holding it, I'm thinking, oh, crap. But then after it kept on changing, I was like, okay, it's got to be ribs. Yeah. So I'm curious to know where it was. They never really pointed it out where it might have happened. Yeah, because it's not like he fell on the ball or someone fell on him awkwardly or anything like that. I mean, it may have happened and it just wasn't caught on camera. But, uh, yeah, it was very bizarre as to how all of a sudden his ribs were or he was favoring his ribs. But, I mean, it's funny though. Like just the the couple of strikes that he made to Winecki, it's hard to believe that his his ribs are bothering him making those throws. But right, I mean, and and I think a few were saying were, were saying that his 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 um his interception in the fourth quarter was caused by the ribs. No, it wasn't. No, no, it wasn't. No, it was just a bad throw. Yeah, throw, a throw, throw that should have got a throw that should have gone out of bounds or or have him run, which I think he yeah. had a chance to do. Well, I mean, that's it. He got out of the pocket and he was trying to, again, do what he does. He's trying to extend the play, trying to make the big play happen. But again, just just a split second, like just a split second of poor judgment. And 
turns into an INT. Mm. Simple as that. Yeah. I mean, it, uh, if if anything, it was a little more forget that one was a little more forgivable than his first INT, which, like I said, <laughs> I swear he was aiming right for yeah. the Argo defender. Yeah. Like you're not going to get much. Uh, that that's probably the easiest interception you're going to get in your life. A throw like that. It was just. Like, that was the one where you're sitting there like, what were you thinking on that one? Mm-hmm. And I'm sure, like I said, as, as Vernon watched the tape, I'm sure he even himself was like, what was I thinking? <laughs> yeah. I know. But, I mean, like I said, that, that's football. It's split-second decision-making. And sometimes when you zig, you should zag. And I think that's really what it came down to with at least that play. Like I said, the second interception, just, like I said, trying to do too much. Simple as that. Mm-hmm. So we'll see what happens. Should be an interesting game. Uh, obviously, we want we'd rather be three and four than, than two and five. So, especially going into the uh, uh, the Thanksgiving Day game versus Ottawa, um, right? And Ottawa now too, they've got to be really feeling themselves right now because right now they are two and five. So if you know if if Montreal if they end up two and five and you got these two teams playing each other and don't forget too, they'll be playing each other twice in the same week. Yeah. I mean, like th- these are important games, and they're not the gimmies that we we think no, they're going to be now. Ottawa has it tough though coming up, dude. You know, <laughs> look at their look at their schedule. They're, they're technically playing two games next week. That's 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 what I mean. Yeah. So we'll see. As I said, next the first game, first Ottawa's first week ten game. That sounds so weird. <laughs> <laughs> will will probably show us a lot. Well, that's it. Like they, they've got momentum right now. They've got, like I said, they got, they got that good feeling. They got that that first win in, you know, over two years at home. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like they, again, they shocked the world essentially. So I mean, now they got to be able to back that up. They got to be able to go out and do it again. And I'm sure they would love nothing more than to be able to do it against Montreal. Of like, I mean, even, even though there's not really that huge Montreal Ottawa rivalry that the the league would love for it to be. I still think there's a big part of that would love to be able to, you know, catch the Alouette snapping and just, you know, ruin their party. Because don't forget, Montreal has still not won at home this season. I know. I mean, road wins are great. Don't get me wrong. But, uh, you know, the fans at home would like like to see a W as well. I agree. You can't just look at the schedule and say, oh, Red Blacks. That's easy. That's that's automatic. (laughs) No, it's not. Even though, yes, the the Alouettes did pace them 51 to 29 in Ottawa. That was then. This is now. Yeah. And I mean, you, you cannot take this Red Blacks team lightly by by any stretch. No, but that's next week. We not looking for, not not looking through Hamilton. Um, you know, stay stay apprised and stay tuned to us on our social media accounts uh, during the game. I'm I'm sure we'll have a lot to say. And also make sure that you keep uh, keep listening to our uh, our I Lilies also our, our our quick audio hits. Uh, on our Twitter accounts, also uh, greatly appreciated, because again, we just try to get you guys as much information as possible as we can. So that's it. It's a great way to get, as you said, they're just little snippets of information out. I mean, it's uh, you know, and, and you're seeing lots of lots more uh, TSN and other CFL personalities starting to use this platform to just get little news and notes out, just, you know, quick thoughts. And that's, that's the beauty of it is just, you know, you don't need to listen to a whole long winded spiel about this, that, and the other. It's like, Oh, you got something to say, you say it quick, concise, simple, 
boom, it's out there. Exactly. So we appreciate everybody. Uh, if you have any uh, anything you want to say to us, just, just send us a send us something over on social media. We'll be greatly. Uh, it'll be our pleasure to, to talk with you guys. So. Yeah, absolutely. As I, as I always say, if you like the show, tell a friend. Yeah. If you don't like the show, tell us. Yeah. Because this the show is here for you, folks. We want to make this the best possible show for you. But if you don't tell us we're doing something wrong, we can't fix it. So, you know, reach out to us. Lord knows there's plenty of ways on social media to be able to interact with both Tim and myself. Let us know what we're doing right. Let us know what we're doing wrong. If we're doing things right, then by all means, keep showing us the love, the likes, the subscribes, everything like that. We definitely appreciate each and every one of you who's doing that. And again, this really, truly is your show, and we want you to be a part of it. Yeah, exactly. So we'll talk to you guys next week, hopefully with some positive news on the Alouettes game. Here's hoping. Here's hoping. So everybody here at Alouettes Flight Deck for Cliffy D, I'm Tim Capper. We're on Final Approach. Thanks for listening. Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter.